Welcome back, high school hockey fans, for the final edition of 2019, This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammett, my esteemed colleagues of Burglar, Burglar Jr., Dallas Gallen, and Trasher, all along to finish off uh, 2019 and bring 2020 to you here. But we're going to get to a couple other things. We'll get to the usual stuff shortly, as uh, we've got your... Uh, polls we got players of the week and we got many many things we'll talk about but right now trasher has a guest for us that he would like to uh spend a few minutes with and trasher we are all ears go ahead all right thanks mj uh tonight we have john welsh the head coach of the fond du lac springs ledgers uh in a second year welcome coach uh merry christmas and uh, happy new year to you Yes, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you guys as well. And thanks for having me. And again, if I could tell you one more time, thanks for you and all your staff for promoting the great state of Wisconsin high school hockey. Well, asset, I think for all of us. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. We've been in the business for about 18 or 19 years now, and we we do it because we love hockey. And we thought that the the hockey players and fans and teams and coaches were getting short shrift compared to a lot of the other sports. And uh, uh, we'll blame it on Burglar. He's the one that kind of hooked us up and got us going here, and we've been doing it for a long time. But we, if we didn't love doing it, we definitely wouldn't do it. But let's get to some hockey. Fond du Lac, Springs, Ledgers. Um, last year, you had kind of a tough year. Even though you played basically 500 hockey, you lost in the, the sectional final to USM. Uh, what has been the difference between last year and this year? I mean, last year you won 13 games, and this year you're already 11-0-1. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, sure. I would say, number one, we're blessed with you know, quite a group of kids here that spend an awful lot of time together in the rink growing up in the final like youth program. Um, where we actually, as coaches and kids, we spend an awful lot of time on balance, agility, edge work. As a result, we're starting to see you know, some of the dividends that these things pay. We've got quite a skilled group of skaters. Um, and when kids find out that they can skate that well, it's certainly a lot easier to stick handle. It's a lot easier to pass, shoot, check, or anything involved in hockey. And in fact, we still spend oh, maybe 10 to 12 minutes a day every day on those types of little fundamentals. Um, so we have this group that has come through, um, you know, some 02, 03 birth year kids uh, that can really play, and they love to play. Uh, that's another thing. They're at the rink constantly um, or doing other things to better their game. Um, I think number two, we have, <laughs> we have quite a smart group of kids in our ranks this year. We have 19 out of 29 kids that are actually on the honor roll or high honor roll. And I think that translates into a little bit better hockey or some of the higher-end things we'd like to teach, too. Um, you know, number three, we're, we're much better in goal this year. We have a kid, Hayden Rising, who's a freshman goalie. I think you may have seen him. He's a good size. Uh, he's got a great attitude, um, great mindset, and we've got real good confidence in him back there. And I think that can get us going a little bit more offensive offensively when he is a good backstop for us. Um, number three, I think, you know, we really have a, a real team effort, whether you know, we got big Kate, Sahabal blocking shots, 
Max Vanderslunt getting you know a game winner in overtime at the JRM tourney, uh, Dane Dianovich getting physical at the right time and winning the dirty areas of the ice, uh, Levi Post, Caden Blank, Levi Deering winning you know, puck battles or D zone assignments. Uh, I got two defensemen, Nolan McDermott and Nolan Bellander, killing five on threes, making them look easy. I don't like to be in five on threes. Uh, I've got assistant coaches that have you know, put the time, um, the effort, whether it's video, um, extra, going to watch another game on a Friday night. Uh, Maddie Keller spends time with our goalies. Joe Kent um, spends all kinds of coaching time on video and or you know cheering up the kids. Tim Pickard's been with these kids since they've been, oh, I'd say three years old. And Scotty Pavelio has been an assistant with the Springs here for almost 15 years. He has notebooks on teams that are older than the kids right now. He'll pull out an old notebook and say, okay, here's what they're going to do. And the eyes turn and look because he's right 99% of the time. Um, we're finding some success with through the other kids offensively as well, which you know we can talk about that in a little bit too. So I think those four or five things kind of get us off to a pretty good start. Um, by the way, the math involved here, the first 24 are really scrimmages, as we all know. So when the season starts February 20th, um, I hope that we are ready to go and we try to put together as hard of a schedule as we can because I think the harder you can push the kids and test them at the right times and right spots, you know, win or lose, you know, five, four games, good for everybody. Um, I think you, know, you see most of that on our schedule. Most of our teams or many of the teams we try to play are at least in the top six of either division. Um, and it's the meat of the schedule is coming up right now. All right. Um, so, so far, uh, yeah, the only blemish on your schedule really is a zero to zero tie with Arrowhead in early December. You've had some solid wins. You beat on Alaska, who was, uh, I think a preseason top six KMMO is historically pretty tough. You beat them twice. Homestead, Homestead is Homestead. Tony Navarro is a good coach. He's got some good talent great. over there. Uh, you beat them. Uh, and probably much to Coach John Schubert's chagrin, you beat uh, Fond du Lac twice this year, and you also took care of Pines, who was uh, number two in D2. So, I mean, uh, it's not like you got a cupcake schedule going so far this year, Coach. No, and coming up this weekend, we have U schools. Uh, we've got Marquette. We've got Nina in the near future. And then, of course, we have a date with Green Bay Notre Dame at the end of the season. So we, again, try to put together what we tough a schedule as we can and then let the kids take it from there so that is correct yeah you uh, are in the badger land and you're currently tied for first with Fond du Lac by points I think you each have six points even though you're three and all they're three and one most likely it's going to be a three-team race between you Fondy and uh Nina Hortonville Menasha, maybe even Wapan, they might sneak in there. They always kind of, they always kind of sneak in. So, uh, what's that conference race like for you? I think you summed it up perfectly. I think it's probably a, a three-team race, and Wapan is always tough to play, whether it's there at their rink in Wapan or our big sheet of ice in Fond du Lac. Um, they always give us fits. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of times it has to do with these kids have played together and they know each other with summer camps and other fall leagues and things like that. So there's a pretty higher level of competition when we get to those teams. But I would say between Nina Fondi and ourselves, that's probably the the three team race with Wapondi and the dark horse out there. 
Well, we we all know that uh, your your regular schedule is for for conference is just for seating purposes for the tournament, and historically Correct. the the conference tournament has been uh, pretty much a crapshoot. We we love going down and covering that tournament because <laughs> it doesn't generally go the way you think it's going to. That is correct. I do believe that the season winner of the conference has not won the tournament. Um, there's usually another team that sneaks in, whether it's the second or third place team or the seventh, sixth or seventh place team has a say in the tournament. Um, that's one of the beautiful things I think about the our Badgerland Conference. We play each other once, we get the schedule across the state, and then we come together for a tournament. Um, I think that's a great format for a conference. And we, we've been hyping that for a couple of years, and uh, the Great Northern Conference uh, adopted that last year. Um, they'll be doing it again this year. Uh, I think uh, any eight-team conferences really would be well advised to, to look at a format like that. Yes, agreed. It's an excellent format. Very happy with it. All right, John. Um, so talked a little bit about your team. Uh, you got a couple kids that have played. Zach, your son, graduated, and now uh, Brady's playing this year. He's the leading scorer. What's it like coaching your kids? I mean, are you – tough on them are you easy on them do you, uh, how does that work for you uh you may want to get him on the phone and let him answer that question for the <laughs> truth, but i mean i i like to think i'm fair and equal to all the other kids um as i am with my own son whether it was johnny zach or brady um i mean they put pretty high expectations on themselves um and i let them take it from there if you want help with a piece of the game Away we go. Um, there are, you know, whether you know Brady's success, he'll be the first one to tell you, um, is not just due to Brady being on the ice by himself. I mean, he he's playing with two kids that he's played with since he was three or four years old, and Connor McLaughlin and Noah Pickard. And I'll bet between those three, um, if there's a goal scored, a lot of times, all three of those kids have touched the puck. Like throw in Mitch Hiddle, Calvin Grass. And again, Brady's got himself surrounded by a real good group. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm hard on him at all. <laughs> I, maybe he can tell me after the uh, the podcast whether that's true or not. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I'm hard on any of the kids. I like to try to be a more up-tempo, positive coach when I can be. And I think I, I'm pretty good at that and getting good results. Not that I can't get a little bit old school every now and then, as I'm sure many of them would tell you. I think I find a little bit better result by just kind of pushing the positive end of things. Yeah, I be totally pushing wrong. them more out of their com- pushing them more out of their comfort zone, maybe. Yeah, but pushing them out of the comfort zone, but making them feel good. We had a situation just recently, you know, zero two after one period uh, wasn't such a great start, and uh, went up to one of the kids and said, "You know what? Don't worry about it. Shake it off. Go show them you're the best kid." in tournament and did that on the other end i had to go to another another player and say you know what i think you got more than what you just showed two goals later i think i had a smile on his face so you know whether or not it's me or some of the other assistant coaches working with the kids and just trying to you know push the right button sometimes and getting the kids to respond 
I mean, for those of you that are coaches out there or teachers, I mean, it's a, it's a real interesting dynamic in the teenage uh, world that we live in five or six days a week. So I'm still learning at that, by the way. I'm not uh, by any means a perfectionist at this thing, but I'm, I'm still trying to learn. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with um, some of our success lately. Uh, we also try to, you know, take it one week at a time and even you know, I'll break it down to one period at a time. Then we'll break it down to one shift at a time or even one face-off. And we just try to work our way from that and then see what happens after 51 minutes. Um, so all those things, I think, have contributed to what we've done so far. And we're only about halfway through. All right. Um, that's kind of the impression I've got from the, the few times that I've talked to you. It's uh, You're pretty mellow, pretty easygoing. It doesn't seem like you get too excited unless you really need to. But um you know, that's uh, every coach is different, right? And uh, you know, whatever works is good for you. And uh, and it has been for Fond du Lac Springs definitely this year so far. So uh, let's move on to the the uh, the idea or the kind of the topic that has been on most everybody's mind this year since uh, the spring is the two division hockey. So um, you guys by enrollment are in Division Two, um, and you pretty much have been right near the top of the rankings the whole time. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on, on D2 hockey. Uh, we, we know that um, in 2018 with uh, the one division hockey, you guys made it down to state tournament, and uh, you definitely have the team, I think, that could – that could make it down there on D1, but what do you think about the the two divisions so far this year? Well, I think it's a little bit earlier premature to judge whether it's a success or failure. I mean, we're only halfway through the first season. Um, I do try to partake in most of the WHA coaches meetings, and um, when the proposal for the two the two divisions um, and the two division tournament and allowing trips. To state, the whole goal was to try to get more schools down there, more communities down there. Uh, the proposal was put forth. There would be an 18 Division One tournament and a 14 Division Two tournament. And when it came back from the WIA, it was a 14 Division One and a 14 Division Two state tourney. Much to the chagrin, I think, of all 90 coaches in the state of Wisconsin, it was not what Wisconsin high school hockey was looking for or asking. Um, so I think if from that standpoint, I think that's a little bit of a disappointment. I am confident that there can be some changes made to this, whether they can get the division one up to six teams or eight teams um, and leave the division two at four teams. Um, I think that's, you know, a pinnacle for a lot of these kids is to make it to their high school state tournament, whether they're in football, basketball, hockey, track, et cetera. It's just for, for most, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. That is their the pinnacle of their sports in their world. Um, and I think it's just a great experience for those of us that have been there. Um, I, I would hope that the WIA can relook at this after two years because it's an experiment uh, and actually make some of the changes and at least get to a, expand to a 16 uh, Division One tournament. Well, as you said about, you know, trying to add more communities coming down and taking part in the tournament, 
you know when you're when you're looking at you know four of d one four d two you're you're looking at the same thing i mean you're just breaking it down into two different divisions you're not necessarily bringing you may bring different teams down but not necessarily the best right. teams i I would agree with you one hundred percent so that was somewhat of a de- defeat uh, i think that the w i came back a completely different proposal than WHCA was looking for. Um, I wasn't exactly sure how that proposal got twisted a little bit, but I, I do know we've got some hardworking coaches trying to push for a little bit different format. Um, and I know it's been discussed in terms of where this tournament should be played. And you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's really one opinion and there's probably a longer phone call to be made on a topic like that. But, I think we need to get it right for the kids and the communities, first of all. So, you know, there's nothing, you know, John, there's nothing like a community that can get behind their team and, you know, we're going to state and, you know, all the excitement of it. And, you know, division two wise, you're looking at some of those smaller schools that say, Hey, we got a, we got a chance at this now. Correct. There will be a couple new ones. I'm sure this year, just through the format, but I, I think uh, largely some of the, Division one schools are going to be left with, you know, the short end of the stick with only four getting their shot because deservedly there are, you know, six to eight teams. Um, and you guys, I think, touched base on it with the way the sections were out in Division one. There, there's one or two sections that are, you know, may have two teams that are legitimately top in the state and only one's going to get through their section. Yeah, we uh, we definitely talked about Division One, Sectional One, and there's probably a legitimate four or five teams that any given year, you know, depending on how they're playing and whatnot, would be a state tournament participant. And yeah, so this year three of them go home and one goes to state. So I know that we are all pretty frustrated and bummed out, I guess, that they didn't go to eight and four. Four and four is the same amount of teams, and as MJ said, it's just different teams. But the upside is that it gives uh, the smaller schools a chance to get down there, and, you know, we'll see how it works out. And as you said, it's a two-year experiment, so, I mean, minds can be changed, and WIA is usually pretty strict about the way they they think about things and stuff, but uh, who knows, right? Uh, We'll we'll do it for two years and see what happens. Uh, it'll definitely be a change and something that we need to get used to. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And if we can, you know, as a coaches association and, and as a WIAA association, if we can grow the game um, and grow the number of teams that are in the state from, I think, where are we, 83 or 85 this year, if we can get that number to 90, 95, you know, maybe some voices um, we'll be heard, and we can get this back to eight and four, probably the correct format. Yeah, we have, I mean, I've had a lot of conversation with people in my community uh, that are concerned that the, the, the number of teams went from 93 or 94 probably 10 years ago, and I think it's 83 this year. It's like we're going in the wrong direction here. Um, you know, so the co-op the whole co-op thing I think allows for more individual kids to play because the co-op will pick up a school here and a school there 
and pick up a couple kids that maybe otherwise would not be playing. But, you know, in the, the overall scheme of things, uh, I, I think we're, we're going in the wrong direction. So we got to figure out how to get the number of teams cranked back up to, to that magical 96 number. And then I think uh, WIAA will consider the 8-4 and four format maybe that way. Yeah, I would agree with you. And then I, I, I'm a believer in the co-op system if it's done for the right reasons. And I guess if I, if I could explain that a little bit more, there are peripheral schools where you know, locally we used, we used to co-op with four other schools. There was one, maybe two children at those schools that were on our team, and they reached out to the school or to the St. Mary Springs Academy and to say, hey, you know, how can we get these kids on the ice and keep them playing? So no problem. We'll sign a co-op contract. So every year we'd have between one to four kids at most as part of the co-op just so they could allow, you know, allow them to continue to play. And I don't know if schools look to build co-ops just to build a powerhouse. That would be the wrong reason to have co-ops. I think that takes away opportunity um, from other kids that would be able to play. So at, at some point, I don't know how, and I don't have the answers to these questions, if WIA has looked at it and said, hey, okay, you've got enough in your system. You know, can you guys amicably split into two teams? I don't know if that's down the line or who looks at that through the WIA. I'm not sure, but I don't like to see these powerhouses being built. Um, I think that maybe why we're getting down to is it 83? I think Trasher you mentioned um, instead of building it back up. Yeah, I think there's you know there's a, a few different reasons. I think the the feeder programs, uh, the numbers at, at the the mini mites and the mites and the learn to skates. I think are lower than they historically had been. And uh, I think what we need to do is to build through the schools. We need to get the schools to get the kids involved. We need the high school coaches to get down into the youth programs and work with the, the programs a little bit more than they have been. I know that, uh, you know, that to me, that's a big thing. You know, if, if you're a five or six or seven year old kid and all of a sudden here comes a high school coach and a couple of his players to watch a practice. That's a big deal. And uh, I think we need more of that, John. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. I mean, I think that does your, your presence in the rink or your presence around the youth program or the younger kids and also getting your team. I mean, uh, both Fondy and Springs were out there with the learn to skate kids or the um, USA hockey try hockey for free days. And they love to see, and you, you hit it on the, the head there, you know, you see these 16, 17-year-old kids in their hockey jersey or the coach with his uh, black jacket on in the, the kid's face. They, they do light up, and I think that can increase the numbers in the youth level, uh, which obviously can feed into the high school programs and hopefully create some, some more teams throughout the state. John, I, I, I agree 100%, and I, I think you got the right idea. And if we could get more coaches to think along those lines, I think uh, we'd have more success. Um, so, John Welsh, uh, we would like to thank you very much for being our guest tonight. Um, we hope you had a Merry Christmas, and we wish you a Happy New Year, and the best of luck with the Ledgers the rest of the way. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you guys, and again, 
just keep promoting our sport. You guys do a wonderful job, and you're a great asset for all of Wisconsin high school hockey. All right. Thank you, John Welsh, uh, Fond du Lac Springs head coach. Uh, back to you, MJ. That's a great interview, Trasher. Good job on that. We'll get to get some Thank of John Welsh's uh, opinions on that. Whether right or wrong, or I'll probably get 17 emails tonight. <laughs> no, John, they all they – all, You guys they, bring up some great points. If, it, if it's complaint stuff, it goes directly to Trasher's email box. <laughs> no, you guys are seriously. You guys are. You somebody needs to do this. That can bring these things up and get these hard questions or hard issues out, um, because a lot of time, you know, WIA just, you know, they they're not there for Wisconsin high school hockey. Um, well, I wish that was the case, but it's not the case. I've been well, in the meetings we'll have to so invite everyone else you've interviewed. We'll have to invite Tom Shafransky on the show. I was <laughs> going to just suggest that. I was just going to suggest that. But, in this um, corner, Tom Shafransky. In this yeah. corner, the Wisconsin Hockey Coaches Association. Let's yeah. get it on, gentlemen. <laughs> Some of you have been to these meetings, yes. So. Yeah, I've heard of coaches come out of those meetings at state just kind of scratching their head like, what was that all about? Yes, and if you had seen the last email that came from the WIA, you would be shaking your head as well. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. (laughs) All right, John, we'll take your word for it. (laughs) All right, guys, you've been great. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Be around the ring. We'll let you get back to your family now. Have a good day, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great having John Welsh of uh, St. Mary Springs Fond du Lac head coach. Our Games of the Week showdown in Titletown and the Culver's Cup tournaments. Boy, there was lots going on around the state with the holidays. And uh, uh, Burglar, Trasher, you guys got to hang out at uh, Cornerstone and check out the showdown in Titletown. It yeah, sounded I'll, like it was a pretty exciting tournament again. I'll go first because I was there on Friday. Uh, Trasher was there on Saturday. I saw two games. I saw Madison Edgewood and Stevens Point, Oakland Memorial and Superior. Um, fun game, Madison Edgewood and Stevens Point. They're, 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 the, the possession time and the time spent in each zone seemed to be fairly even. Uh, for both teams, but Stevens Point never spash, never really got uh, much of a chance to, to to get to the the Edgewood net. Just real good defense, and Edgewood would get in the zone, and you know they just they seem to be kind of working around the outside, and all of a sudden there's a pass it into a slot, and boom, you know a shot and a goal, or a shot and a pipe. There were uh, what are they, what are they saying? Uh, every time a puck hits a pipe, an angel gets his wings. There were a lot of wings given out by Edgewood um, in that game. They hit pipes, they hit crossbars. Um, they, they just they just seemed to get somebody open in front of the net, and the puck came across, and, and they would they would score. Um, very good game. Stevens Point. It just it seems strange that well, I mean not strange that they didn't like to just dump the puck into the zone, um, and that's I'm not I, I'm I'm all for that you know carry the puck in the zone, but. If if the if the clear path wasn't there, they would like back out and and regroup and, and you know try again, and 
it didn't take long for Edgewood to figure that out, and they'd kind of cut off those. And I mean, there were several times when when the Stevens Point they they would just you know come close. They they would they would keep doing it. They'd work themselves all the way back into their own zone, um, you know, without Edgewood ever touching the puck. Uh, you know, they turn around and regroup, and Edgewood kind of move forward again. They turn around and regroup, and they just kind of work it right back into their own zone. Uh, good strategy by Edgewood, kind of a head scratcher by, by Spash and that. Um, the second game was Oakland Memorial against Superior. Um, Superior kind of dug themselves a hole. They got a uh, checking from behind uh, major uh, five and a five and ten early on, um, and. Oakland Memorial managed to score twice on that first power play or on that five minute power play. And then they added a goal late in the, in the period where uh, puck was shot actually from below the goal line, but the goalie was out. Um, he had come out, came out, made a save. The puck went behind the line. It was shot from back there, hit off his pad and banked into the net. Um, so it was like a three, nothing hole that superior never really dug themselves out of Oakland Memorial. Um, they kept the pressure on in, in, in the second period and then just kind of went into more of a, a defensive shell in the third. And um, I think Superior did score a goal on a 5-on-3 power play uh, late in that game. But otherwise, uh, Oakland Memorial pretty much controlled that one. Um, and then Trasher came back the next day to see the other four teams. He did. And uh, saw two good games, uh, a one nothing game where West took the victory for the third place uh, award in the, the Showtown, or the show, the Showtown, the Showdown in Titletown. And um, the second game was Verona. They uh, took a 3-1 victory over host Notre Dame to win their first Showdown title in uh, 10 uh, 10 matches. This was the 10th annual tournament. Uh, the first game, uh, Weston, Nina Hortonville, Menasha. Basically, I think, honestly, it was um, Adam Prokoff's game. He had a 23-save shutout. Um, made it a little bit difficult in the third period, West did. They had a five-minute major five minutes into the period. They killed that off. And then they had a couple other infractions with like three, four minutes left to go. They had a a very brief five-on-three. Prokoff was rock steady. He made a couple of saves on uh, Ethan Long, one of the the Nina forwards. And uh, first time he came down and took a shot from close in, left left pad, kicked it out. And then like probably the next possession down on the ice, he came down high slot, took a shot. Uh, Prokoff was down, tried to seal the bottom of the net, raised up his glove as high as he could, and just snagged it before it went under the crossbar. So uh, definitely Long got robbed twice. He stood there for probably 15 seconds and just stared at Prokoff like, what the heck are you doing? Well, he did what he was supposed to do. He made two excellent saves. West ends up winning the game one to nothing. Uh, the second game, the championship game, Verona won three to one over Notre Dame. From the get-go, pretty much, Verona was very aggressive. And to me, and, and, and I hadn't seen either team play this year, but it looked like uh, Notre Dame kind of tried to match that aggressiveness. And I, I, I got the impression that they're really not that 
like that type of team, and I think it took a, took it off their game a little bit. Uh, goalie uh, for Verona, Caden Grant, he he's the number one star in the game for me. He stopped 24 shots. Notre Dame was 0 for 6 on the power play, and he was a big part of that. Um, it's pretty even scoring. Verona skates off. They got their first win in uh, 10, 10 shots at the, the title town crown. So uh, definitely a good tournament. Burglar, it sounds like you uh, had some good games too. And uh, Corey McCracken and his crew always run a great tournament over there. And it's it's always got the, the top teams in the state, and it definitely does not disappoint. Well, it, it was kind of nice too. They have their, their, their table set up at the entrance to the rink and, you know, you walk up there and it says, you know, complimentary admission for coaches, scouts, media, and Wisconsin prep hockey. I was like, <laughs> ooh, that's me. <laughs> Trash I, will be here tomorrow. I didn't get a chance to see that because they weren't collecting by the time I got there. So I was oh. like, I walked up and I'm like, I was getting ready to go, ah, oh, hey, Wisconsin prep hockey. And no, there was nobody right there. there. Nobody right there. there. Right there when you when you walk. Yeah, in. that's awesome. But good I mean, thing, Michael. Yeah. It's a good thing they would have charged you double. Hey, they might have. That's uh that's a good tournament over there. Um for the, the session that I saw, the stands were probably three quarters full. Um there was a, a, a good good crowd. They were you know, good natured. They they weren't like a lot of booing and a lot of you know the the bad attitudes that you see and stuff and sometimes at games and uh, it was a it was a good tournament a good two games four evenly matched teams and for that particular day the best teams won. All right, guys, Trasher, Bill, good job on reporting on the showdown in Town, one of the probably the, one of the premier tournaments in the state. Of Wisconsin. Culver's Cup. Dell, you got to check in on that. Thanks, MJ. I did make it down to the Culver's Cup on Sunday morning and caught the seventh place game between Brookfield and Superior. Uh, it, just a game that, uh, going into it, of course, both teams had lost their first two games in the tournament. Uh, Superior opened the tournament, having to play St. Croix Valley. Lost, or I take that back. They, Brookfield had to place uh, the fusion and, and lost that game. And then they lo- uh, lost a high scoring game on Saturday, nine to seven to Sioux Falls out of South Dakota and superior fell on Saturday to on Alaska se- seven to three. And then we're playing Brookfield on Sunday morning. Uh, superior ended up winning this game eight to two. Berger and Franta led the way, both having three points in the game for Superior. The one thing to take out of the weekend was Hadley Mal- Malcolmson for Brookfield. On Out of the ten points that Brookfield scored this weekend, the ten goals, uh, Hadley had eight goals, two assists. And during that time, she also ended up picking up her 200th career point playing for Brookfield. Uh, but as I said, Superior's offense dominated this game in an 8-2 to win. The next game was actually the third-place game between the Cap City Cougars and the St. Croix Valley Fusion. And this was a game that the Fusion lost to 
Metro Lynx on Saturday, three to one, and the Cougars lost a one to nothing heartbreaker to the Wisconsin Valley Union Saturday, in which they gave up their first power play goal of the season, and that was the difference in the game and a one nothing loss to the Union. And as they went in to play the Fusion, the Fusion took a one nothing lead on a power play to goal in the second period. Cougars tied it up in the third and then went on to win it in overtime to two to one to take third place in the tournament. The consolation game was between uh I gotta remember I'm here. It was actually between the Sioux Falls South Dakota team and the Onalaska Hilltoppers. And this was a game that Sioux Falls came in and they ran away with this game with the six to two win when to win the consolation. But uh it, it was a game in which there was you know, some good speed shown by both teams and on Alaska just was unable to put the puck into the net in this game. And then that brought us to our championship game between the Metro Lynx and Wisconsin Valley Union. And uh, basically, as our headline reads on the prep hockey page, the Lynx denied Union Culver's Cup. And it was a game in which they... Uh, won it three to one, but they actually dominated. Didn't really dominate the game, but they controlled the tempo of the game. And it's hard to dominate a game when you've got Bristol Cowden in the opposing net. And I believe that Junior's going to talk about her a little later in the podcast. And overall, it was just a great tournament. I guess all eight teams are planning on being back for the Culver's Cup next year. And with that, I'm going to toss it back over to you, MJ. Thanks a lot, Del. Culver's Cup, one of those tournaments that they have during the holidays that are always pretty competitive as well. Um, other stuff going on, tournaments, Black River Falls, Eau Claire tournaments. Trasher, you were put on some miles this weekend, driving around and checking out games. You, you uh, were checking in on these. Hey, you bet. I hopped in the 2018 Nissan Rogue, and off I went, listening to my conservative stuff on the radio that my, uh, well, we'll, we'll go leave that alone. But anyways, Becker um, <laughs> Falls, Eau Claire Tournament, um, eventually on Saturday was won by the, the ECA Stars. They beat Hayward one to nothing. Um the day that I was over in that area was on Friday. I was at the Milt Lunda Memorial Arena in Black River Falls, uh, a very nice arena. Um, and I, I saw a couple games. Uh, the first game was Hayward and Rock County. Hayward ended up with a 4-2 victory. Uh, Lily Eicheson had two goals for Hayward. Haley and Alyssa Knopf, uh, Two girls that you probably know pretty well are MJ from down in your neck of the woods. They scored for Rock County. Uh, good game. Um, two pretty evenly matched teams. Hayward just came out ahead on the deal. The second game was Fox City and Black River Falls. Um, Fox City's won 3-2. to two. Annika Horman, Michaela Zilich, each with three points for Fox City's in that game. Uh and like I said before, you know, I, I went to four games this weekend, and the 
the biggest margin of victory was two goals. I mean, so that's some good hockey, you know. It's evenly matched. That's what you like to see. Nobody likes to see the seven to nothing game. Uh, it kind of sucks, you know. It just takes a lo- away a lot of the fun when uh, when you got two teams that are matched evenly and are going up and down the ice and anyone could score at any time. That makes it a lot more interesting. And these two games at this tournament were definitely that way. And uh, the, plus the coaches are cool. I got a chance to talk to Tom Duffy of Hayward, um, Jeff Fox, and uh, Oak Mosier is always a, a favorite of mine. Uh, it was uh, fun to talk to him and uh, get a little insight. And, of course, our second favorite official – we all know as Chris McGurk was there. Uh, he's an assistant coach for Fox Cities, and he's a blast to talk to. So uh, it was a, a a good day, a good a good night actually. I was there, and uh, two good games, and a lot of fun. And uh, that's about it, man. I don't know, Trasher. There, are, there's a couple teams out there I wouldn't mind watching lose seven to nothing. Now, Trasher, I got a question about Hayward. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um. Now, I mean, you look at the record, and we know they're better than they are because they, they, most of their losses have come against Minnesota teams. They've got a 2 nothing loss to Central Wisconsin, a 6-5 where the Chippewa Falls Menominee beat them, and then a one nothing loss to the Stars, and they have a 2-1 to victory over Fox Cities. What about you did you see with them that would impress you? I mean, they look like a team that could – actually could potentially come out of that sectional one, even, you know, battling against the Eau Claire Stars in there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they they have a pretty solid team. They're very competitive. Um, they're good at the fundamentals. They don't like, make a lot of mistakes. And I think most importantly, despite the fact they don't really have any superstars, they have Emma Quimby in goal, and she has been rock solid for them for two or three years. And uh, she's—I think she can be a, a big part of their success, and she has a big been a big part of their success. So, uh, yeah, don't count out Hayward. Uh, you know, you got all the big names: uh, Saint Croix Valley Fusion, the ECA Stars, teams like that. But uh, don't just at this point in time just you know, count them out because they're they're pretty solid and they're well coached. Tom Duffy does a great job and you know, we'll see. All right guys. Sounds good on the reports on the tournaments. Let's move on to our players of the week. Uh we've got a girl and a boy through submissions and uh voting and we got some winners. Uh Junior, you want to tell us about our winners or you want me to go ahead and do this one? I can do it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had your name on the show notes, but I can do it. Okay, well, I, I see it there, but usually this is the part where I usually give it to you, but I can do it. I got it. Our Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg Players of the Week this week for the girls, uh, Pistol Cowden, senior goaltender for the Wisconsin Valley Union. On Friday, she had 43 saves and one goal against and a 2-1 win overtime win over Onaleska. Saturday, she had 42 saves with no goals against in a 1-0 win over the Cap City Cougars. And on Sunday, she had 44 saves and 3 goals against in a 3-0 loss to the Metrolinx. If you're keeping track, that's 129 saves, 4 goals against, and a 969 save percentage for the 3 days. Uh, that'll get you some awards. 
Sure will. And for the boys, another goalie, this time a junior, Caden Grant of Verona. Uh, Thursday, he had 26 saves and two goals against in a 3-2 win over Eau Claire Memorial. Friday, he had 22 saves and one goal against in a 4-1 win over Wausau West. And Saturday, he had 24 saves and one goal against in a 3-1 win over Notre Dame Academy. Keeping track, that 72 saves, four goals against for a 9.47 save percentage. Uh, this might be the first time we've ever given a goalie the player of the week without the benefit of a shutout. But he had three games, including two one-goal games against the teams that were number one and two in the state at the time. And this continues our long-standing tradition of inviting somebody on the podcast to talk to us and then not giving their player who was nominated uh, the Player of the Week award. I promise we're not doing that on purpose. I look at those numbers of Caden Grant, what he put up, and... Holy moly. I mean, you look at most years, those are top five teams. And, you know, it's still it's still, it's still, still the first half of the year. Eau Claire Memorial might very well be, you know, a top six team. Uh, but West and Notre Dame have been top three all year. So, yeah, that's that's some good work for the, for the weekend for him. And Pistol Cowden, wow, talk about numbers there. I mean, 43 saves against Onalaska and another 43 against uh, the Cap City Cougars, who are another one of those highly ranked teams. And she didn't give up any goals against them. Basically, uh, set her team up to get a, you know, maybe maybe steal a win. Uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, but her number is incredible as well. And no doubt these two players are very deserving of our players of the week. And our Players of the Week are always brought to us by the Wyndham Garden Inn of Fitchburg. Our Players of the Week, Pistol Cowden, Wisconsin Valley Union, and the boys' side, Caden Grant of the Verona Wildcats. All right, enough. Let's get to talking about those top six packs. All right, the girls and the boys. Let's start with the girls. Bill Jr., we've all voted. We've all tabulated through everybody. Uh, we've had it to go through accounting firms and everything. And... Uh, what do we got? Sure thing. I believe, Trasher, correct me if I'm wrong, three different teams on the girls' side got first place votes this week. Uh, but number one this week is the Eau Claire Area Stars. Second is the Central Wisconsin Storm. Third was the Cap City Cougars. They were my number one vote. Uh, fourth was the Madison Metro Lynx. Fifth was the Fox City Stars. And sixth was the St. Croix Valley Fusion. Uh, Division two for the boys. Number one, again, is Fond du Lac Springs. Number two, again, is Northland Pines. Uh, this week, and I imagine that 3 through 6 in the, the boys' D2 rankings are going to change a lot as the weeks move on. Uh, 3 is Hayward, 4 is McFarland, 5 is Superior, and 6 is Wanakee. And then the boys' D1, Verona jumps up to number 1 with their performance at the showdown. Uh, Notre Dame Academy is 2nd, Wausau West is 3rd, University School is 4th, Arrowhead is 5th, and Nina Hortonville Menasha is holding on at the 6th spot. Uh, worth noting... Maybe. Uh, Fond du Lac Springs and Superior have each played one game against the Division II opponent. Uh, the rest of their schedules have been, uh, in Fond du Lac Springs cases, all D1, and Superior's has been uh, all D1 and then some Minnesota teams. And also notable is the fact that Fond du Lac Springs in D2 and Verona in D1 were both unanimous picks for the the top spot. So uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to all of the six teams. And uh, 
You want to get up in the top six? Just got to work a little harder. MJ, back to you, buddy. Well, we'll work a little bit harder on keeping this podcast together because might be coming loose at the seams here shortly. Who knows? Our upcoming games of the week for the boys, Beaver Dam at Wanakee on Thursday. Get a look at the Beaver Dam squad who's putting up some nice numbers and nice record, taking on the Wanakee Warriors. And the girls' numbers, the Rock County Fusion is going to be hosting Rock County Fusion, Rock County Fury, team with an F, okay. Rock County Fury will be hosting the Fond du Lac Warbirds on Saturday in Janesville. I'll be at that game and uh, have uh, pictures and story about that. So Beaver Dam and Wanakee Thursday, Saturday, Warbirds come down and take on the Rock County Fury. Okay, just a reminder, MJ, you'll be at the Beaver Dam Wanakee game also. Yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> I will be at that one. Hey, I get it's, to, I get, I get to see Eric Olson. I love Eric Olson. It, it's, it's rare that uh, one of our crew does both games. But, I mean, we've all done it. Um, usually we try to split it up, but it just works out this way that both of the, the games are in uh, MJ's redneck of the woods. So, give her hell, buddy. Problem. We'll take care of it. Our final thoughts for tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about computer rankings, and a number of those are out. And as I see the other four of you, who wants to tackle this subject? I can start it out. Okay. Um, yeah, it generally takes you know several weeks. Uh, I like to get you know anywhere from six to you know make sure every team has at least six games in before the computer start rankings start making any sense at all. And even now. There, there's still kind of there could be a lot of swing, you know, one one good game or one upset can can swing things a lot of way. But what I found interesting is we have we have uh, we have our coaches polls our, that that we get involved in also, and then we have uh, the U.S. high school hockey online par rankings, the stack rankings. Um, uh, Doc, what's his name? His LSQ rankings and the My Hockey rankings, and I know the LSQ and the U.S. High School Hockey rankings. Um, they 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 do like all the the Midwest stuff, and they 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 come they have rankings with and in their rankings and their formulas, they. You'll you'll see um, the 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 Western teams, the Hudson, uh, the Chippewa Falls, the the teams at Eau Claire Memorial, the teams that play against Minnesota teams, they will be ranked higher in those rankings. They will than they will necessarily in our Wisconsin coaches poll rankings or the stack rankings, which are just based on you know Wisconsin. The other there's a Minnesota bias for them. You know, you can lose to any Minnesota team and it's going to count. It's not going to count that much against you like it would losing to a Wisconsin team. So, you know, the U.S. the U.S. high school hockey, they have Hudson at number one, at number two, you know, whereas the stack rankings have them at, at nine and Hudson did not crack our, our, our top six. I don't know where they, they fell, you know, if they'd have been honorable mention or something. Um, you know, 
it's 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 fun looking at those this time of year. They say you you can see that Minnesota bias in there quite clearly. Uh, that would be uh, Dr. Matt Stevens, who does the, I believe it's four states, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, and I'm not sure what the other one is. I believe but, it's Michigan. Um, I, I think it is. But it's an interesting exercise to kind of see where our teams fall amongst the, the teams in the region. But what I noticed is that, like it, you take, and what Burglar said I think is true, you take the what we see in our rankings and you compare it to what his rankings show. Not that his rankings are wrong because they're not. I mean, they go through all these analytics and whatnot, but they're just, it's like, huh? I, 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 I looked at him and I'm like, this doesn't quite match up with what we have, but, you know, I hey, let's face it. Guys, we know this. Rankings are just for the fans. They don't really necessarily mean where the teams are. Um, the first weekend in March will tell us a little bit more about that. Right, oh, yeah, Burglar? But, but, yeah, but that's, we're, the, we're the biggest fans. So, yeah, they're for us. They're, they're, they're talking points for us. And knowing us, we like to share that stuff. We do. Did you guys, this is kind of a subject, did you guys see the uh, World Juniors going on at all with Cole Caulfield there? I saw I'll that it was that going on, but I didn't follow it at all. Uh, Cole Caulfield scored the game winner for the U.S. today in overtime. You get a chance to go back and look at it. What a play. There was, it was a three-on-three, three, and all three of the players that were on the ice were Badgers. And they beat Sweden 4-3. to three. Cole Caulfield, game winner. Yeah, a boy. Yeah. All right, guys, anything else you want to add? Nothing but blank stares at computers. They, they've right. been, they've now, been listening now, to us long enough. We'd probably just want to say thank you for following along this year. Um, the season is halfway through, as we have kind of mentioned, and uh, – We'd like to wish you all uh, a Merry Christmas, which has already happened. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus, and uh, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. And hopefully the year 2020 will be everything you hope it'll be. So. Oh, that's right. We we missed we missed last Monday. I think last Monday would have been that when we do traditionally do the airing of grievances, wasn't it? Yes. Ah, yes. Last Monday was Festivus. Yeah. yeah, we well. That's, that's we, when we should have aired our grievances. No, Trasher usually does that before the season starts, so he got that over with. So we didn't need to do it on December twenty third. Your we air the grievances. If anything, we air them before we record this. I'll tell you that. And we missed. I mean, today's. I mean, unless somebody's going to do a lot of writing tomorrow, we've missed all of the end of the decade lists. Where's our top ten moments of the the last decade on Wisconsin prep hockey? Where's our top ten games of the week? I don't know any clickbait thing you can think of. We didn't do any of that. Oh, our top our top ten players of the last decade. Boy, there's some pretty good ones that come through. 
Yeah, but those decade ratings are like way overrated. So we don't worry oh, come about. Come on, come on. We don't worry about minutia like that. Yeski Betancourt does shortstop for the Brewers. Ah. <laughs> Where's uh, Orlando Arcia when you need him, right? Do you mean the worst qualifying hitter in baseball? <laughs> yeah, but a, a middle, a middling fielder. Picking out at a pitch that bounced in front of the plate. Yeah, well. <laughs> All, All right. right, let's wrap so, her up, Yeah, boys. get us out of here, MJ. Right. Okay, guys, thanks for all for your uh, input, if you want to call it that, for the Berg Boys, Trasher, Dell Scanlon, and John Welsh for joining us tonight on the podcast. We thank you, the listener. For uh, the guys, we'll see you in 2020. We've been listening to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.